Ladies and gentlemen, it's the captain speaking. Beyond the Cockpit with Grace McKellar. Hi everyone, thanks so much for joining me for another episode of Beyond the Cockpit. Uh, today Gillian gives us all the cabin crew inside knowledge and we chat in depth about the application process, cabin crew training and she gives us a day in her life at one of the UK's leading airlines. I hope you enjoy. Hi Gillian, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. Um, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Thanks for having me. No problem. Could you just introduce yourself and what you've been doing? Yeah, um, okay, so I'm Gillian and I currently work for British Airways. Um, I'm part of the senior crew. We've recently, I'm sure everyone's seen it on the news, but we've recently formed fleets. So I think my name has now changed to an in-flight lead. I think. Um, I haven't been back to work since all the changes um, because I had a little boy. Um, so my role is sort of supervisory level. We have an in-flight manager, then there's me, and then there's the rest of the crew. Um, and I've been at British Airways nearly three years, and I've been flying for 11 in total through various airlines. Oh, wow. Is that quite a long career in terms of cabin crew? Kind of middle of the road. You'll find people that um, only do it for a couple of years or a couple of months and it's sort of like not for them or then you'll find people that have been there 20 years mm-hmm. so and again depending on the airline as well if you're maybe sort of like with um, with TUI or Jet2 um, you maybe wouldn't have lots of long service people but if you've got sort of a legacy airline like Virgin and Virgin especially they have got a very long serving group um, I think it's one of those things if you love it you love it if you don't you don't yeah so, absolutely yeah um, so I, I really don't know anything about cabin crew or how you would kind of start the whole process. What do you have to do in terms of application and what's the sort of initial cabin crew training like? So, I mean, we'll start with sort of like a leisure airline, like the jet do, like the seasonal contracts. They sort of put out their applications around October, November time um, for the following summer. Um, and they sort of do all their recruitment over the winter ready for like a March sort of start and it really is just sign up for all the alerts job alerts emails things like that if you know people make sure you're sort of in the note as to when they're going to advertise and um, it's literally thousands thousands and thousands and thousands of people apply so if you're on one hand where you've applied maybe a few times and you're not successful then it's definitely a massive thing. Don't get down about it because there's just so many people, so many people want to do yeah, the I job. And then on the other hand, if you are successful and you get through to um, an interview day, amazing. Mm-hmm. And then again, if you're not successful, you just have to remember that there's just been so many people and there might be a certain amount of positions. Sometimes there is a certain amount of positions, especially maybe with the seasonal um, airlines, it depends on like the risks they're doing for that summer and things. If it's maybe like a legacy airline, they don't have capped numbers. They maybe do like sort of 30 in a training course and they're like, right, okay, we're going to do five or six training courses. Mm. So the numbers aren't necessarily capped. And if they have more people, then they may just keep running the training courses. So it's hard to know, like on the day, they might need a certain amount of people or they don't. It's sort of a bit gray area. Some people will say that coming out of school out and you should go into college and do some sort of cabin crew course. Don't. (laughs) (laughs) Um. If there's really, if you're 16 and you're leaving school and you can't fly until you're 18 and there's really nothing else that you want to do, yeah, fine, do it. But 
you don't have to do it. It's really not a necessity. Nobody's going to look for it on your CV. Nobody's going to go, we'll have them instead of them because of it. It is great to get yourself a bit of knowledge and a bit of insight. And I don't know too much about them, but I do know that they touch on various things. Yeah. Um, but you absolutely do not need it. Key things are customer service. Mm-hmm. Um, customer service facing roles. So that can be a, like a waitress in a cafe. It can be a shop assistant, anything. That is the key is your customer service. And um, going through the application, you get questions like name a time where a customer was rude. What did you do? Name a time where you went above and beyond for a customer. Name it like things like that. It's all like name a time and experience, yeah. things like that. If you don't have any experience, then you basically can't complete the application. So they more favor customer service rather than a cabin crew course, mm, basically. Okay. That makes sense. Um, the typical sort of application process is you do it all online, answer all those types of questions, name a time when. It's a bit different airline to airline, but you will either be invited for a sort of like a Zoom meeting, like an online meeting type thing, or a telephone interview. If they like you, then they'll invite you in for more. And then you'll do like your recruitment day. So okay. the I'll just do British Airways because it was the last one um, that I did. You go down to Waterside, um, which is just next to Heathrow. And there is two sessions, a morning and an afternoon session. There's probably about 30 people on each session. Okay. So you'll do grip work together um, where you'll all just go into a big boardroom. You'll be given a scenario and you'll basically figure it out. And you're being watched while you do it and people make notes. You will then do your one-to-one interviews, which again is basically gives a time when the questions that you did on your online application but it's just that they can see how you how you like act and everything yeah in person yeah yeah so I mean my face-to-face one I don't know what happened like I just was like I don't know and they asked me questions and I'm like I don't know what to say and they're like what do you mean you don't know what to say like you've got years like you can't think of anything to say and I'm like no no so we ended up then having just a bit of a conversation about previous things that have happened not the question but just on like previous experiences and then we actually got around to the question they're like so you do know and I'm like yeah I do <laughs> and I left him was like that was just ridiculous that was like um you know that's just no good but then a couple of months later once I did get the job couple of months once I was out flying I flew with the guy that did the interview no way did you yeah and I was like hi and he said do you know what yeah and he was like do you know he's like it was funny that you literally had nothing to say but we knew that you for whatever reason you just sort of like forgot or you were nervous or whatever and the way that you sort of had a conversation and carried yourself and chatted and stuff Mm. that's put it forward so that's always sort of my advice to people is when you are there your whole body language and how you have a conversation how you address people everything like that is almost more important than sort of the answer that you give and don't worry like if you are nervous and you forget it's it's your personality and everything that they're Mm. that they're there for and that's why it is face to face and then sort of once you do that it's usually about a week or so that you would hear back and whether you're successful or not if you're successful then it starts with referencing oh it just goes on and on and on and on forever because like airports are secure 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 facilities as you know as you know you have to have airside passes Mm -hmm. you have to have um id just for the airline and everything as well and the referencing takes months you have to have you know your background checks done 
Like it just goes on and on and on because it's just so, so, so secure. Then probably about a month or two before you would start, then you get invited for your uniform fitting um, and you do all things like that. And then for, for British Airways, then you get given your course date. And if you have never flown before, you do one week with a company called Sky People which I never did because I already flew and I have um, a thing called the attestation, okay. which is basically like your certificate in basic first aid, like survival skills, things like that. Okay. Um, and they do all that with you, you get your attestation. Then you come to British Airways officially. That's when you officially start your employment with British Airways. And then they make it relevant to BA okay. or to whatever airline. So I missed that first week. There was me and two other guys on my group that had flown before everybody else was brand new. So people maybe think that it's always brand new people. People think that maybe there's a lot of people that have flown before. Like lots of the courses are very, very mixed. Um, there was another lady um, who was on my course. She did have to do the training with the other guys the first week because she had such a big break um, between hers. So in total, there was four of us that had flown before. Um, so then you start your training and the co- first couple of days was sort of like a get to know each other type thing and then typically again varies airline to airline but typically your initial course is four to six weeks it's yeah. hard <laughs> is it quite intense then the, those so four to intense. six weeks yeah so you're like sort of 8 a.m until 4 p.m five six days a week you typically do sort of two weeks on um your aircraft variants and so aircraft specifics you sort of have about two weeks on that so i am trained on the 380 so whenever i did my training everyone was trained on the triple seven everyone was trained on the short haul fleet so the baby buses yeah um and then it was either the 380 or the 747 so i have been 380 trained at emirates and 747 trained at virgin so my group we were then um being trained on to the 380 um 777 and the dreamliner um, and now because all of the 747s have gone and retired yeah. those guys have been converted to the 350 okay yeah you do typically about two weeks at every airline obviously depending on size like if you're yeah. going with flyby you know they only had um three different aircraft types so you weren't spending sort of two weeks but typically it's two weeks on your aircraft specifics and that is anything from location diagrams to how the seats work if like the cockpits on each of them um how all the safety features work how the phones work everything you name it like that you know that plane from top to bottom yeah another week is sort of mixed between first aid and fire so we are trained up to everything including delivering babies everyone thinks that cabin crew is super super glamorous no it's not (laughs) because you're like if anything happens to the passengers so if someone's vomiting everywhere or if someone's giving birth in the aisle then yeah you have but yeah our training is extensive it, mm. it really really is um, extensive and we're basically trained in like the, the preservation of life you know yeah. there's there's certain things that we can and can't do but we have got several different types of first aid boxes we've got a little one that lives in the galley that's got sort of like plasters paracetamol bits and pieces like that then we have the big box which mm. you need permission from the captain to open oh I didn't know that yeah each airline the contents varies and I think that maybe varies from country license I think um, is what makes the contents secure or not 
but the big box carries things like the the delivery pack for instance adrenaline like mm. um the really big drugs sharp knives everything like that the really really important stuff when that box gets opened that's when it's you know you know it's serious <laughs> yeah that's not it's not great and we then we only we open the box with the captain's permission but with a doctor's permission as well okay and in phoenix in arizona there's a place called medlink and they are our doctors on the ground for us when okay. we're in the sky. so if something terrible happens we then radio call phoenix i assume that's like a 24 7 service you just call them yeah. anywhere i didn't know yeah. that that's it really is amazing so you know when you do get the chance to get your license and to fly and if you ever get to go to arizona you can you can go to visit the hospital and they they love having you and they love to show you around and it's, oh, it's ab- but it's a normal hospital it's oh, just okay. a normal normal hospital and then they have like this room with all the all these things and it's like the doctor on call and things like that and you know you you call them and they ask all the main things like your flight details your 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 passenger what you know what's wrong with them things like mm-hmm. that and they will start to diagnose over your radio wow, call that's amazing and they that's sort amazing. of give you directions of what to do and things like that and yeah it's it's a really big pressure um situation so I mean I personally have never spoken to them but yeah it's it's amazing yeah. that we the pressure yeah. must be intense also from not only from you but also the doctor because oh, yeah, yeah I, I can I can imagine the pressure having to deal yeah, with that it's crazy and and then you know so you've got so we you've got through like your whole process so um uh, you're through fire and through everything you've got like your communicator who's the person that's on the phone um you've got a collector that's collecting equipment like you, you've got like a whole process mm. essentially just to keep it like streamlined and everybody knows their place yeah so you'll have somebody that's in the flight deck on the radio speaking to them they're jotting down everything it's usually your in-flight manager that's doing that yeah. normally they jot down all the information and then it gets brought out or else it gets used on interphone to wherever your situation is and yeah so it's it's really really intense but it's such a cool feature yeah um, it is Wow, such a cool feature to have yep so we um have to know the contents of all of those kits and what they're for mm. um so that's your first aid anything from like you say vomiting to a heart attack childbirth and then we do it we've got defibs on board you know we have we literally have everything it's it's just insane and some aircrafts have got more than one of everything because they're so big and we sort of combine that then with fire training so we've got um all the bcfs on board we've got fire bags we've got everything so again we're firefighters we're paramedics <laughs> you know we're tea and coffee servers we're a bit of everything and then another week is sort of dedicated to customer service training so to start with at British Airways you are um, trained for a traveler traveler plus and then after six months you get trained in the club cabin which is British Airways business class cabin and then after a year provided you know you've got all good feedback and things mm. like that then you get trained in the first cup okay yeah um and then inclusive um of learning the services you know you have to learn all the bar paperwork because each country you land into has got different rules legal rules for the mm. bars to be sealed and somebody may get on the aircraft check all the same numbers things like that. so you have to learn everything for that um so that's inclusive of that and then you learn sort of like the like the frequent flyer 
program like all things like that yeah and yeah so I mean that's sort of like a basic outline of what Mm. happens in the training it does go with airline to airline it it varies and it is intense and you have exams for every single section all of that in four to six weeks I mean I don't know if it's easier for maybe people that have come straight from like college or uni or things like that because they're used to doing exams and Mm, whatever else I mean don't get me wrong whether you've come just from college or whatever it's still very very intense but having to like sort of learn and put yourself in that environment again is just yeah it's it's a lot and then recurrent um is just a short variation of your initial training which happens every single year and I know that the pilots do their sort of like recurrent training sort of every six months Mm. ours is every year sort of about 10 months or so after you've joined so say you joined in March your train your recurrent the following year would be like February they try to get it in before your your year mark type thing it's yeah you do your aircraft variants again and you do customer service and you just touch on little bits Mm. and every year CRM (laughs) and basically CRM is crew resource management it is so important it's basically what you need to make the whole system work if your pilots aren't talking to your invite manager and then they're not talking to someone else like the information just doesn't get passed along Mm. and it can be crucial especially if say you need to divert or something like that I mean for instance the 380 can only divert to certain airports and I always always did Johannesburg on our last port of call for an emergency of Johannesburg is Barcelona after Barcelona and Johannesburg there's nowhere you can go so if you've got a problem you need to tell somebody otherwise just deal with it and Africa is a big continent (laughs) after Barcelona that is a long way so things like that are really important but they typically on like a CRM session they will look at incidents that have happened in the past and how Mm. CRM worked well and how it didn't and what happened an example is you know I don't know if you remember one of the British Airways trip sevens that came from Beijing and it landed just short of the runway in Heathrow a couple of years ago it was a frozen fuel line on their triple seven so like that's just one of the scenarios that they look at and they get everything they get all the black box recordings like they play everything for you so you can hear the pilots talking to air traffic control you can hear the um, pilots and the crew um, talking amongst each other on the interphone um, and then they actually get some of the crew members and like interview them and oh, then wow. they yeah they sort of share their experience of what happened that day um, but why you know it worked and there was no fatalities and how they managed to evacuate on time things like that or then they go sort of back maybe to the 80s where maybe wasn't a big thing they talk about like um there was a Hawaiian one they had a decompression um the whole like roof sort of like yeah, the plane like, ended I, up being like a convertible yeah um <laughs> Yeah, and that was basically, well, it was a decompression, but they didn't realise it was decompression, but that was from them sort of not sharing information until it was mm. too late. Then the pilots became incapacitated and things like that. So they investigate and sort of dissect a successful story and a not successful story and how important it is and how maybe some of these disasters could have been prevented yeah even just from people speaking up like one thing that's really important that they always say that pilots always say if you think there's no such thing as a stupid question because it might be might be really important so you know in the mornings if you've got an early slot or whatever you know the the plane gets de-iced yeah but you know you can easily just say I'm not sure if it's being the ice I might I think there might be some ice on the way you might be wrong you might be right but if you are right then you're going to save everybody on the on, mm. on the plane so by not speaking up potentially you yeah. know there could be 
a huge problem. But I mean, because I'm, I'm you know, I work on long haul and we've got three, which is the double, two decks. Like that is just basically two planes on top of each other mm. and that's just madness. So, you know, we really need to know what happens and especially once breaks start, you know, so the, the, the setup of the day will be the in-flight manager and then there's two supervisors, sometimes three. And okay. it's normally the most senior supervisor is the second in charge. So then once the manager goes off on their break, then the supervisor is in charge. Okay, but you then need to know what's happening everywhere else. Mm. And if you've got like a sick passenger, somebody that's not happy, just all things like that. Or you might even have like a piece of equipment that has been used maybe and is empty. So like mm. an oxygen bottle or something that's not working, you know, just like loads of things that then can just save a problem maybe further on down the line. But it is so important. And once then you come out into commercial aviation Mm. and start with the airlines, they will be like, this is so important, Grace. Yeah, I (laughs) mean, even now just with, with like the very end bit of our training when when we just did three weeks in an A320 sim, even then CRM was highlighted as the most important thing I expect for the rest of my career to have a CRM sort of drilled into my head oh yeah absolutely I mean that's the thing that can prevent something Mm. really bad from happening or make you know a bad situation better Mm. it's definitely really important so that is talked about in your initial training and every single year at your recurrent and the pilots join you for that okay and so everybody does it everybody does that together and I think actually on my last recurrent the pilots joined us for restraint training as well so we're all restraint trained is that just if you have a difficult passenger and you have to yeah so um being drunk on board an aircraft is illegal basically yeah. but the difference is being drunk and having a nice time and being completely unruly and then putting the aircraft in danger and that's yeah. where the problem is so I mean I don't know if you did talk about it from your training but um you know the captain has got certificates and things like that basically he signs and mm. says look you are causing a disturbance on board the aircraft and I'm signing it and this is basically your final warning it's like your little warning from the face yeah. you know, oh, I what I mean? know like, that. And you, you have to get yourself sort of <laughs> so I mean you don't get restrained for nothing you know obviously mm. there's levels yeah um, of course of verbal abuse physical abuse endangering the aircraft things mm. like that endangering the aircraft is just a no-no and if yeah. it's safe to do so then you you do discuss perhaps restraining um a, um, a passenger yeah I think it's definitely trying to be avoided as much and maybe like diversion and things like that but it, it definitely it definitely does happen but the the pilots join you for that which they say is quite helpful because they're staying behind that locked door they're not coming out if it Mm. which is great yeah I mean there's just so much that goes into it but I think that's sort of like the top the main topics of of your of your training and then if you are like progression wise so I joined British Airways as senior crew I did join that as junior crew Okay. So British Airways is one of the few airlines that allow direct entry okay. sort of promoted roles. So I did the initial training with everybody. Mm. And then two months after that, I went back and did another week of sort of like management training almost. Okay. And I've been given the same training as what the in-flight managers have been given because I can take the aircraft mm. in charge as well you look into just things in a little bit more detail and like they have um ipads that have got absolutely everything on there everything about passengers but now everyone has been given an iphone that has got all the information stuff on there so and um, that's shared but in terms of like forms just everything that sort of like runs the show get 
a bigger training into that then you get trained straight away for club and first okay. first is a lot of fun and like sort of focusing on uh, the policies of the airline and things like that okay things that you need to know to problem solve things like that you're you're given the same management training as what the, the in-flight managers are giving. yeah and you're not joining um straight away and it's progression through an airline most is a couple of years um, experience and good positive feedback things like that and again it all depends on the airline I mean I mentioned it before that Virgin are a very very senior airline but that's because the girls just don't leave which is amazing because they you know they, they want to stay but that doesn't leave much room for progression for mm. other people Emirates whenever I was there the typical um sort of progression line is economy for two two and a half years and then you get the opportunity for business that's all sort of on feedback, you know, good reviews, things like that. And then another couple of years, you get given the option for first class on Emirates or you can be an in-flight supervisor. And then that all leads on to purser. At British Airways, depends on the time of the year and where the slot, you know, through spaces and things like that. But again, a couple of years experience and all you do sort of like almost like coursework type thing. Um, that you submit a portfolio and you work towards your your supervisor role and you do things on board to like help you on the way you know like some you know somebody could be like there could be a customer complaint or whatever mm. and one of the junior crew members could deal with that I can write a feedback for them saying that they dealt with it and it's great that goes into their folder for them so th- that's know, what all of, the feedback is it's all that's other... what all your feedback is yeah oh, okay so like sort of yeah. peer review yeah pretty mm. much and then you need is it maybe like six a year I think from the in-flight manager so okay. from a seat a very senior position basically just you know feedback reviewing on on mm. your day like you were competent in your cabin you were great with the customers you know just yeah. a just a bit of general feedback and that and that's just sort of the typical progression for most most airlines what usually happens before the flight at the beginning of the day who do you speak to how do you prepare um so I live in Manchester um, so I commute to London for work and I again I mainly do long haul but that's because uh, we need the supervisors are needed on long haul they're not needed on short hauls so okay. um, I, t- I just get more long haul work which is obviously better with mm. a longer commute so um, depending on what it is I'll get the train or I'll fly um, and arrive at Heathrow so um, with British Airways we've got a like a big crew centre which is in T5 Okay. Um, it's upstairs in T5 um, so when you arrive if you've got a suitcase then you go and check your suitcase in we've got a whole like crew check-in area and then you uh, head upstairs and you swipe in with your ID yep. go to one of the computers again swipe with your ID and it'll give you all your information for your trip it tells you sort of maybe like trip specific things if something's changed on your trip mm-hmm. or maybe for example at the minute when the guys are traveling sometimes where they're going they have to have room confinement because of the whole covid situation so that'll flash up on there and it'll tell them something specific about that or it might just be something generic an update on liquids or you know that you can take this liquid you can't do that yeah or an update on equipment update on aircraft so there's just there's updates when you when you log in it might be relevant to you for that day it might not but you get it anyway you get a little bit of information sort of where your briefing room is your time things like that Mm -hmm. so that's fine don't need to do anything more about that I can print out the crew list so everybody that I've got on my crew 
normally because I'm on the 380 there's like so many pages. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah so you've got your 22 crew then you've got a list of like um your special mates for your passengers you've got if you've got new crew maybe you might have training paperwork um in the back that I'll have to fill out for them and then yeah just all sort of updates um that again may or may not be relevant then so we have got a thing called document so it's a bit like um like the books app or like the the kindle app okay um that you get um and on there is your whole all of your manuals so instead of having hard copies they're all electronic mm. so you've got um everything again aircraft specifics first aid um, dangerous goods everything is there so I always just have a little flick through for the aircraft specific ones you know just to refresh my mind remember yeah. what we're doing um, and then at a specific time then you go to your briefing room so you go and do your briefing room and that's normally sort of well depending on your aircraft type and where you're going like an hour before two hours before like that. so you'll have everybody there you'll have your in-flight manager you'll have your in-flight leads your supervisors you'll have all the crew just come in the flight manager will lead the briefing talk about things um that are destination specific and then you will do your safety and security briefing so you get asked um, a question that is specific to the aircraft type um, and then you also have a first aid question to go along with it as well okay you're a lot because we have so many different aircraft types i think we have like seven triple seven variations so yeah we go around the room discuss all things like that discuss because uh, we'll have the passenger loads so it might be really busy really quiet we might mm-hmm. have like a skilled trick we might have a special assistance dog you know mm-hmm. so we run through everything like that and how sort of our day is going to go okay um, and we'll also then say who is going to be the second in command after the um the manager the flight crew will come in they'll talk about the flight path anything unusual weather like I mentioned you know diversion airports can be yeah and most importantly the flight time yeah basically (laughs) Um, and they'll introduce themselves they'll also say who's the pilot flying that leg and who is sort of like the navigator and stuff Mm. and then yeah everybody gets everything together we have our own security channel okay and we've got our own crew security so you go through security like a passenger Mm -hmm. you have got your liquids you have to have your ipads out you have to have your laptops it's exactly the same as passenger security and then we appear magically out of a little door in departures everyone gets a little bit of a fright when they see everybody come through (laughs) this magic door and um, yeah you just make your way to the aircraft then and then we have to do full security checks of the aircraft each person is being given their their designated area that they're, they're mm-hmm. responsible for. You basically check from top to bottom, all cubby holes, everything like that. And then the equipment that you've got in your area, um, you check that as well. And you do catering checks with the caterers, which is normally me. I'm normally in charge of the galley and... I have to make sure that I've got food for everybody. Basically. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll just pass on our checks back to um, the in-flight manager okay. and we'll call for our passengers. And all of that gets done in about 12 minutes. Oh my God. Yeah, it's really quick. Yeah, really quick. And so we've got the, the critical path and that is from when we start our briefing until departure. Yeah. And everything is timed. 
Like so minute, you have a time for boarding, you have a time for doors closing, you have a time for pushback, and you have you have to meet them. Mm. Um, and yes, yeah, so we'll call for our passengers. Normally, those with special assistance or children or whatever will board first. But yeah, we get everybody on board, get the doors closed, push back, start the demo, um, the safety demonstration, and uh, off you go. Thankfully, the safety demonstration most days is on the screens, and we just have to point out the exits. Yeah, that's it. You're then you take your seats mm. um for departure, and that is you with all those friendly people for however long it might be. You might just be going to Munich and it's an hour flight, or you could be going to LA and mm. it's twelve hours. And yeah, and that's your day. Um, you sort of start your start the flight once once you've taken off. Normally, people need things handed back to them like bags if they're sitting on the exit row. Babies maybe need like um the cots and things like that. And then we'll start normally drinks first, and then your food service, where else? And then we have our breaks, and and off we run to our little bunks and have a little snooze. (laughs) Um, yeah, and that sort of gets split into two, so like half of half of the crew will go and stay and things like that. And then once we land, we go off to wherever you're going. I mean, yeah, Johannesburg is normally my route, so um. We land at like 6 a.m. Um, we get a bus to the hotel and yeah, just enjoy the sunshine. Nice. Oh, that Which sounds amazing. Great. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> um, well, thank you very much just for taking your time um, to just chat to me about all things cabin crew. Um, yeah, like I said earlier, it's just like a whole different world that, like so much goes on that yeah. uh you know just like your average like passenger doesn't know about and yeah it's oh with loads of secrets from those passengers <laughs> I can imagine <laughs> um yeah so thank you very much for coming on and yeah hopefully um after Matt leaves you can get back to flying on the A380 thanks so much for joining us for another episode of Beyond the Cockpit I really hope you learned as much as I did about the role of cabin crew from the initial application all the way to being an established cabin crew member in an airline. I hope you can join me for the next episode. Be on the cockpit with Grace McKellar. Find us and like us on social media. Search at Be on the Cockpit.